0: Yes, that's right. You read the headline correctly. This is about the hero banker, a person that Mary and I worked with for a number of years that helped us build our success in real estate investing. I'll tell you the story, and from it, you'll learn what to look for when you choose that banker who's going to help you achieve your financial goals. Let's get started. Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Speck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks, and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. In previous podcasts, I've discussed the first banker I used to help me buy my first piece of farmland here in beautiful Blenheim, Ontario. I'll briefly discuss it because that was my first hero banker. And then I'll talk about the second hero banker. Her name was Kathy. That's a pseudonym. I made it up because I didn't want to embarrass her and um, get her in any trouble with anybody. So let me start with my first banker. So I, I was looking to buy a piece of farmland it was about 36 acres and it was right beside my parents farm and I was just getting out of school from Michigan State I had no money Uh, I was married our two children were you know three and I think two and three years of age or whatever it was very young another one on the way had absolutely no income I was working as an intern as a psychologist which paid very little and trying to scrape together some money just to take care of business And I really wanted to buy this farm. So I went to a local credit union and I I talked to this man and he said, Well, you have no job. You have no income, regular income. I had sold a house that we had lived in before, so I had a bit of a down payment. And he gave me the mortgage. And a few years later, when I saw him, I said to him, You know, why did you ever give me that loan? And he said, Well, I knew you were uh, good for it, I knew your background, I knew where you came from, you have a good profession. I knew you would never not pay your payments. He helped me buy that farm, which today would have been very difficult, probably wasn't going to happen. And I was able to do that, and uh, that was quite a successful investment. Fast forward, probably during the years, I am thinking 2006 to probably 2010 somewhere in that time frame, we became very active in buying real estate. And the real estate I was buying were uh, duplexes, fourplexes of the student uh, housing variety. And when we met Kathy at this major bank, it was one of the major banks, and you know in Canada we have three or four of them, so it was one of those. Um, It became very clear from the outset that she, while she certainly had to follow bank rules and all of that, she was empathetic and understood what we were trying to do. So when we first applied for different mortgages for these properties, as you know, if you're buying uh, up to a fourplex, you you will get residential rates. Now, what will happen is as you buy more properties, if you become uh, pretty serious about this investing and you get above four properties, banks tend to treat you as a investment type of loan and sometimes they will quote you loans that they would give people who are buying, say, a commercial mortgage on a strip mall or an office building, as opposed to a residential mortgage, which traditionally they would do for your first few properties. So if you're starting out investing, you're going to get a probably a favorable response for the first few. But once you get up close to four or even maybe a few over that, they're going to be very, very picky. And today it may be picky after your first one. So I can remember some deals with Kathy where, We would buy property. We put offers in on properties contingent only on inspection. So we would have, say, 60 days to make sure that the building was uh, safe and put together the way it should have been, or else the the deal would become binding. So as soon as we would uh, get an accepted offer, I would start the hunt for a mortgage. Now, in some cases... The down payment wasn't even available, so I would, as we be, as we got more and more properties, I would be uh, re- refinancing one property to get some equity out of it to be able to take some of that money and pay the down payment on the next property. And it was it was a challenge, but we we're always able to pull through. And what Kathy could do for us would be to advocate for us to her superiors and help us get the kind of deals we needed to get. So we were paying residential rates. On one property, for example, we had a fourplex in Waterloo, Ontario. It was a new build, the person that just built it. There were 20 beds, very close to the university, and we were able to get a residential rate. Um, we had other properties in Waterloo. At one point, we had four rather significant buildings. I think we over 50 beds in Waterloo, which we eventually sold them all as prices sort of went crazy. Now. When you're working with your banker, you have to understand that if if your banker is a bit like Kathy, they're probably not going to be there for very long. The the traditional system of banking as I see it today makes it very difficult for these very bright, intelligent, empathetic, understanding uh, managers or commercial lenders or mortgage specialists to be able to you know, truly look at you as a person. And I talk about in the book, one of the things we look at now that we loan out money, that we become um, basic mortgage folks, is that we look very clearly at the, at the character and the work ethic of the person we're loaning the money to. And, and I think there is something to be said about that in, as one of the primary focal points when it comes to uh, loaning someone money so when you're when you're working with your banker they're they're very much restricted, and today I'm amazed that when I talk to bankers in general and I say, "Hey, you know if, if I had a small painting business and needed ten thousand dollars to buy a new truck used truck or perhaps hire another employee, could I get it through your bank?" generally, the answer is no, and even if it is possible, they will say, "Well, all of this will go through Toronto so the the ability of the local bank manager or person you're working with to make that mortgage payment or sorry that mortgage loan for you Becomes difficult during these times Uh, The second part that happens is it becomes very much a, a box ticking ratio ticking kind of situation So it's not about who you are or your history of prepayment or or what you've done in the past It can become strictly a numbers game, which is why alternative lending has become extremely, extremely popular because hard-working people who run their own businesses or young people who are starting out have an incredibly difficult time in getting financing for their projects or for their real estate purchases. The real estate industry, if you look at it, very much is about wanting someone to come in who has a regular T4 job so you work for someone else. Your income is supposedly predictable. And they will give you a mortgage, and then they'll even give you money to buy a, a loan a truck uh, to buy a truck or a car or a vehicle or a really horrible depreciating asset like that. And by the way, as you know in my book, I tell you never buy a car on 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 credit, never borrow money to buy a car. Buy the car you can afford, pay cash, save money, and then buy another one if you need one. But be very careful when you when you're borrowing money for those types of depreciating toys, as I call them, or assets. So back to Kathy. So as Kathy continued to help us, I know we know that her life got continually more difficult, not because of us, because I think she was advocating for all of her clients and probably had a very successful book of business. But the problem is she was probably making some people unhappy and perhaps at times, uh, I'm talking management, and perhaps at times taking risks that they weren't comfortable taking. When we think of banking, you must remember this very important fact, and there's a great deal that you can read about this, but let me summarize what what we know. So if if you were to have, say, $50,000, and you wanted to loan someone that you were going to do business with $50,000, you would actually have to take that $50,000 from your bank account and give them the money if you you chose to do that. And then there would be a, a legal document filed against that property or that asset. When banks loan you money, money, they do not have to have. or They do not have the fifty thousand dollars to give you. It's simply a digital, electronic transaction, meaning you get the fifty thousand, but you don't actually get the money from them. It's a, it's a transfer of liability, as they call it. So the bank, by law in general, has to have 10 cents on every dollar somewhere. They have, so if they loan you $50,000, they should have $5,000 somewhere to cover that. And that can be from you know savings deposits that people put in there at 0% interest or whatever. But think about it for a minute. If the bank loans out $50,000, they only have to have $5,000 of actual money somewhere in reserves, give or take. If they're making 4%, on the loan they're giving you, they're going to receive $2,000 from you a year in interest. But they're only really tying up 10% or $5,000 to make $2,000 and that's a 40% return on that reserve amount of money. And that's why banks are so profitable. You and I could not do that. I can't loan you 50,000 but only give you five. I have to give you $50,000. And that is why the banking industry is so incredibly profitable. Every quarter we hear about the billions of dollars they make. Now let's go back to Kathy. So let me summarize. What do you need in a hero banker? Someone who will listen and respect and appreciate your financial goals. If your goal is to own three positive cash flow income properties, or five, or one, or ten, and you sit down and tell your banker that, they should sit down and help you get to that outcome. It's not about talking you into mutual funds or telling you why you're going to fail or your ratios aren't good enough. And I, I've been kind of tough on bankers, I've got to tell you. I've, I, if there's, I don't regret too much, but there's some things I probably said I shouldn't have said. And I can remember one banker, I came in and the person called me in and he said to me, uh, didn't say hello, didn't say anything. He was very disrespectful. And he said that, you know, your ratios aren't good enough and we're just not going to give you any loan and no one's going to. And he went on and I said, look. I said, if I walk by this bank five years from now, and actually he wasn't sitting in, a, in an office. He had his own little cubicle area. If I walk by this bank in, you know, five years, you'll still be sitting in this cubicle. You'll still be doing what they tell you to do. And I feel really bad for you. And I got up and walked out. And I wasn't real happy and he didn't seem to care but from that point on when i would walk by that branch and it was in my hometown and i i would uh, see him sitting in his cubicle i would wave and that went on for a number of years till he either quit left or got promoted but the point of all that is you have to remember that when you go into those situations it's important to understand that the person across from you may not have the ability to answer your questions, may not have the power to be able to grant your mortgage or loan. I can remember, and I, and I talk about this in podcasts, and I've written about it. Getting a phone call from a very large one of the major banks. This person was working in Toronto, and she said to me, "Well, you're you know you're applying for this mortgage for this property in, in Antigonish, Nova Scotia, and we don't provide mortgages to fishing villages in Nova Scotia." And I said, "Well, first of all," It's not a fishing village. It's not like on the ocean. The ocean's about six miles out of town, so it's not a fishing village. And secondly, it has a major university and a regional hospital. And And I went through all the statistics of vacancy rates and all of that, but it didn't seem to matter because she said again, we do not provide mortgages to fishing villages in Nova Scotia. So she was not only not listening, she was disrespectful. She, she, and she didn't have a clue. So. When you find a hero banker, as we found Kathy, take care of them, meaning realize you're only going to have them for a brief period of time. And and then you're probably going to have to get financing somewhere else. And, you know, there's mortgage brokers. I'm hoping to interview a mortgage broker on a future show. There are many other private money. For example, we do some lending. There's other places you can go to get those uh, that support. Don't let the fact that one banker or bank has said no to you stop you from looking for that hero banker because they're out there. You just have to keep digging and finding. Now, final thought: Some years ago, Mary and I had a, Mary and I had a property in London, Ontario, and we had the most amazing bank mortgage specialist. Um, this woman had a, a rather significant disability, and she would talk about that, and we would uh, she discussed that but she was probably the most amazing, other than uh, Kathy, she was probably the most outstanding uh, bank professional we've ever worked with. Unfortunately, she was only there for one mortgage renewal and then she got transferred and moved on. And that was unfortunate, but again, uh, when that happens to you, when you finally find someone who's going to work with you and they get transferred or move on, don't get discouraged, keep looking, because the ability to finance your, your purchases when it comes to real estate, are one of the most important factors associated with your growth and success. I'm Dr. Henry Speck for Shrink Money Advice. Please subscribe to the podcast and make sure you do send it out to your friends. I look forward to speaking with you again next time. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice Podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca or the audio version at allsound.com. That's awesound.com.